0: I got
1: friends only What a business. I got expenses us. wind is right I got expenses the wind is expensive. I've been reading out a And i Kevin Hill, yes, it's four o'clock, not yeah? noon. <laughs> no, right? not
0: noon. It's weird how one little thing gets out. Yeah. You know, it changes and it throws your rhythm. Completely off. Hopefully it doesn't do that today. Well, let
1: me ask you. So this is put that coffee down. The freight sales podcast for closers. But folks like you, the creatures of habit. Kevin, are you a creature of habit? I am a creature of habit. Yeah, yeah. But though I I get bored after a while with being a creature of habit. I do too. I like to disrupt it a bit. Like Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, coronavirus hasn't gotten away. But like I was so sick of being at home. I like Uh I had to work with the wife to get the the schedule fixed so I could come in and do these things live. But I'll tell you, we've been doing these at, at noon for so long. We do what the truck at noon. You do midday market update at noon. We do this show at noon. That. Being out of routine, the smallest things are like are just autopilot in your brain. Like even making a thumbnail cover for the show, something I usually do, but I usually it's like in my ten o'clock hour in the yes. morning. But today I didn't even come in until ten.
0: I, I know I I didn't even get the show notes until like afternoon, and I'm sitting here worrying <laughs> the entire time, and and I'm I'm like freaking out a little bit because my calendar invites go off at, at noon. I'm like, well, I hope it's at four o'clock. I know it's at four o'clock, but what if I'm wrong?
1: Yeah. What if I'm wrong? Who's here with us today, too? Who do we got? Who we got? We're opening up on LinkedIn now. We're at a different time, too. So, different routine for everybody. I so,
0: it. it's, it's, it's completely different. If you do join us,
1: happy to see you here. This is Put That Coffee Down, Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. You can find your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up Put That Coffee Down. Kevin, let's talk a little bit about, about marketing. We're both. Let's uh, do that. As we're waiting for the show to start, we're reading this article, right? In um, what was it, the Philadelphia? Not the Philadelphia Inquirer. I want to say. Some type of like the Philadelphia from, Weekly Yes It was talking about And you guys remember these Tell me if you remember this one This is your brain on drugs Just say no Nancy Reagan, right? Nancy Reagan, yeah. Just say no And I learned it from watching you That was my favorite one Where like the dad finds the kid's box of drugs mm-hmm. Brings it in the bedroom And the kid's like I learned it from watching you, dad yeah. Yes. So these campaigns, though, so what the article was talking about was those and dare. And it was taken from the perspective of drugs. And all of these kind of backfired because they boiled it down to the fact that even though the message stuck with you, which is great for marketing, right? Those slogans mm-hmm. stuck with you. The message behind them was that a lot of people are doing drugs.
0: It is so. I read this great book, "Made to Stick," yeah. one of my favorite marketing books of all time, by Chip and Dan Heath. And "Just Say No" was one of their, their you know, their, their case studies of something that's very sticky and very memorable. Yeah, not necessarily works, right? Because no one really likes to be told what to do. Yeah, and I think that "Just Say No" it comes from point of view of just say no. Right? so sure. Don't ask any questions. Just say no. Yeah, it, like it, it. Especially when you're doing it to teenagers, it kind of plays into your own defiant need. Yes, That rebellious need. Instead of showing a little bit more empathy, say, "I know how it feels," or and then the other part of the the Philadelphia uh, or, or the article that we read is that it sends a message that everyone's doing this. Yeah. So it, it, it's actually reverse peer pressure. It's the opposite peer pressure. What they want to design with this marketing campaign, it's the opposite effect everyone else is doing drugs. Well, everyone like else you, is doing
1: them. You almost feel excluded by not being yes. a part of it, and that's, that's kind of sort of the marketing message that mm-hmm. was going on in the 80s and 90s, that Dara was considered an absolute because it, it, it introduced kids to all these different types of drugs and talked about their, their effects and their impacts on people. But when we think about this, and when, when we read articles like this, we're like, how does this apply to freight? How does this apply to, to selling? And to me, it's a lot like when people come on, they just want to spotlight features instead mm-hmm. of giving what the audience really needs, the message they really need, which is addressing the problem they have in the voice and the tone that they need to hear it in.
0: Yeah, it's like walking in and saying you're doing it wrong. Yeah, no, no one wants anyone to just walk in and say you're doing it wrong. Tell me why I'm doing it wrong. Ask me, you know, and that's part of consulting selling, right? Is asking those good questions to, get, to to make your prospect or that person on the other side of the table think it's their idea, you know, leading them down to the path where they finally realize on their own, so they're in control of that decision. That yeah, I need to change.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a message in everything. Yeah, there is Kevin. a message in everything. There's a me- here's a sales hot tip. Here's here's one too. Talk about message. Talk about emotions. People often buy on emotions instead of logic, and that's one of the problems we're mm-hmm. selling on features. On features, you're trying to sell into people's logic. Oh, this sounds like a really cool or or useful feature but it's not really how people think and becca kind of talks about it from the perspective of emotion she's from uh, radiology as well she says you can have an emotion but do not have to be that emotion emotions are just a physiological response your reality isn't what's happening around you but how you choose to react perceive and internalize it you decide how this impacts you
0: Exactly right, and this reminds me of our our friend Stan Duncan. Yeah, and like the Zen type of, of feelings of that of identifying your your emotions, labeling them, and recognizing them. You don't have to react. You're it, it's your responsibility how you react to everything in the world. So you can either react. Uh, A certain way, a positive way, or you can uh, actually, it's react or respond, right? React is the the improper way or the bad way where your emotions take control. Responding is when you have your emotions in check and you respond in a very uh, appropriate and logical way.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and we encounter these things a lot. A lot of times your emotions will come out and you'll internalize and you'll perceive things wrong. when You're like reading maybe a Slack message, Mm -hmm. maybe an email. You're reading a lot into the tone, maybe a message on social media. But I had this therapist and he and and he said to me, he's like, you're and basically what she was saying there. You're the one who decides you are making the decision to Mm -hmm. be angry. You're making the decision to be slighted. And at the first it didn't make sense to me. I'm thinking, well, no, they're the one who made the comment. They're the one that is slighting me. It's like you're reacting to it, though. You're taking it that way. Now, granted, some people can be really annoying, and it's hard to avoid them. But you do have some control over how you decide to do these things. And you can kind of rewire yourself so you're not as bopped And when you're in sales or when you're trying to keep that routine, it can throw you off your game. It really can, and
0: there's a best-selling book that's been out for two or three years. I've, I've read it at least once. I may have read it twice, and it gets down to this core in a, in a in a in a slightly different way. And so the subtle art is the subtle art of not giving an F. Yeah, and that's the core of the book is how you respond. You know, life is nothing but a series of problems. And you can control, you either choose your own problems or your problems choose you. Yeah. So either you're the bug or the windshield, though there's many different expressions on that, but it's all about how you choose to respond and adapt to situations.
1: Well, there's this like, it's almost like it's, it's banged into, I mean, especially if you're a guy in the United States, there's like this the pride, you got to be mm-hmm. prideful. And if someone attacks your pride or, or your ego, you have to, you know, lash back out or take it as a big offense to it. So it's almost counterintuitive and it takes a certain like level of maturity to under understand those those concepts and really buy into it and understand that you can guide yourself with them. It does. It takes, takes experience and maturity to, to get to that point. You know, I mean, uh, you
0: can spend all your time fighting battles on uh, slights on social media or, you know, criticisms um, uh, about uh, a show or yourself or anything. Or you cannot even give them the oxygen or the air to, to breathe and just don't even think about it. Think about positive things that move you forward and not all the baggage.
1: How about this positivity? Zachary Ramirez is here. He says, good afternoon, guys. And he says, uh, speak your customer's language. Yeah, very true. Your mm-hmm. audience, your customer's language, you have to understand them in order to sell them. You have to understand what they think from. They're, you know, a lot of times we talk about ego. A lot of times in sales, yeah. it's, it's sort of like you... Not only are you asking for something, you're asking someone to buy something from you, but you're, doing it on, you're trying to do it on your own terms.
0: You are, and that's when you're uh, and t- telling and not selling. Yeah. Kind of, you're talking too much. You're trying to kind of push your point of view of what they should do onto them instead of what we'll talk about uh, for, this, for this entire hour of
1: asking great, great questions. Gene Imsley, he says, uh, it makes perfect sense. Uh, as I, a mentor of his once asked him, where is stupid? Oh, like, where's stupid? stupid? I'm not really... I I don't know. Gene, can you tell us a little bit more about this story? That's almost like a Maybe it's like Forrest Gump. Stupid is as stupid does. And he didn't get angry? Or where's, I guess, stupid's inside all of us? I I guess so. Well, you know, Forrest Gump. Stupid is as stupid does. Remember the... Speaking of the... Remember the button on with stupid? The 80s button? What happened to those? I don't know. Here's a quote. pull those out. Here's a quote. Judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. That is from Voltaire. Uh, it's It's exactly
0: right yeah exactly right I, I've been giving away the uh, three hundred and thirty seven power questions, and one of the the big case, case studies in this is uh, a lot of executives, a lot of
1: successful people judge people on the questions they ask, yeah, not on what they're being told, because questions drive the answers right it does. and I take some pride in your questions and and I think sometimes salespeople too they want to sort of ask a question but then answer it themselves so they can sell their product mm-hmm. and sell their feature. Ask your questions genuinely. Get, you know, get, get your information from the genuine questions.
0: And a lot of that's part of active listening and a skill. We did the improv episode, you know, a couple months back Mm. and it's all about active listening. You know, not, not thinking about the next question, but actually engaging and listening. I've been really trying to work on that myself and we interview a lot of people and you really need to be active listening, not even thinking about what you're going to ask next, but just riffing on, on what you've been being told. And it's the same way it sells.
1: Yeah. How's that working out for you? Uh, it better and better.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see this interview.
1: <laughs> Here's a funny fake quote, though. So speaking of Voltaire, okay, according to one story of his last words, and if, if you know Voltaire, he was, he was a critic of the, of the church and of uh, dogmatic spirituality and all of those kind of things, right? So this is, uh, this, a lot of people thought this was true for a while, but here it is. According to one story in his last words, when the priest urged him to renounce Satan, he replied, there is no time to make new enemies. This is Voltaire on his deathbed. However, this appears to be originated from a joke in a Massachusetts newspaper, my people, in, from yep. 1856, but it was only attributed to him in the the 1970s. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's basically kind of some of those Yogi, Yogi Berra quotes, right? Yeah. They just like, I never said that. Yeah,
1: or Bill Parcells or something. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although Bill did say a lot of the ones that...
0: He did, yeah. yeah. They have those on tape.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, OpenDoc's going to be with us today, and we got a little read for them. So, tired of endless lines of trucks waiting for your dock doors? I know the drivers are. First come, first serve doesn't cut anymore. No, upgrade your warehouse operations for dock appointment scheduling with OpenDoc. Configure your availability by hours of operation, length of time to load, and maximum number of trucks you can take at one time. Find out how easy it is at opendoc.com. you nailed it. Yeah. You know, so today's topic, we're gonna to have Open Doc on in a little bit. Jeff Booth is gonna be joining us and he's got he's an Arizona guy. Used mm-hmm. to work with Global Trans, fantastic. Yep. he's done a optimization for theaters with data. He worked on the grocery supply chain for an organic farmers market style grocery store. Mm-hmm. Now he's with Open Doc making uh, trucks move faster. So we're gonna find out his story and how that all applies to selling and everything. Before we get there, we're gonna set the table a little bit talking about consultative selling right They're a very famous book and sold to selling the hannah formula for high margin sales by uh who is that gentleman mac Hanna, right yes yeah so and, and the whole thesis of that was selling with ever negotiating price and instead of uh instead of focusing on delivering value so instead of selling on price instead of focus on delivering value uh hard in freight hard in freight because in freight especially in your sales rep everybody wants to talk about rates they do. It's it's hard to get out
0: of that that rate environment, that pricing, the, the non differentiated or commoditized type of conversations. But the one thing there is, it's all about driving value. Yeah. The more dry, the more value you can supply comparative to the price if it's 10x 20x 30x the less you're going to be negotiating about price
1: now i and kind so of this is very tif- difficult to do i kind of like arguing and debating with you on the show now ever since we got into the, the tagging debates so i'm <laughs> going to put a compelling question out there i'm going to yeah. put one and see if you agree or disagree because you always hear people go you got to be a consultative salesperson so counterpoint is a question should you or can you even be should you or should you not be biased towards your own solutions if you're acting as a consultant
0: That's a very good question. You should be biased depending on the situation, too, right? If you're if you're if you've created solutions for this exact um, situation, you should be very biased. Mm -hmm. You know, you should be very biased unless because you should be developing the, the, the best out there on the
1: market. And if you're not, then you're doing something wrong. Well, I know, but we've all worked for brokers who some of your lanes are good, some of them well, not so good. And if you're being 100% Johnny Apple tree honest, right, you're being George Washington honest. Or is that Abraham Lincoln? Who never cut down the tree? Uh, George Washington. Yeah, George Washington. Yeah. He never cut down the tree. So if you're being George Washington honest, right? Mm hmm you're not really a consultant unless you're paid specifically for your advice and your recommendations. So if you're still a sales rep at a brokerage, you're still a sales rep at a brokerage, but hope maybe you can take some of these aspects of being a consultant and apply them because we've all sold lanes that probably weren't the best.
0: Yeah, we we you know, and, and and freight sales really goes into that sometimes, especially on the freight broker side. You you sometimes take a lot of freight that you shouldn't be because you have no idea how to move it, right? And in that point, you're not being a consultant; you are being a, a sales rep. Yeah, right. A, a sales rep that's hoping that they they might be able to 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 pull this off. But if you can actually pull it off, then you you know, you develop that expertise and you start becoming a, a market expert. So at, at one point in all our lives and, and all our duties, we're at the bottom of the learning learning curve and we're, you know, we're moving up that really all our lives. We never get to the top of that learning curve, but once we get up high enough, then you do really become a consultant. But on your first day in, in the industry, you're not a consultant.
1: Yeah. you got, I mean, you're you have to, the things we fight against uh, are, are sort of the bad habits you, you, You learn at first and you learn them because you have to put some logs in the fire. Mm -hmm. You have to do some transactional freight business. You have to do some of those easy sales. You have to take on some of the undesirable things and the busy work that we normally wouldn't recommend when you're a little further down the line. That's just that's the hard work. That's the proving ground that you have to go through at first in a lot of brokerages.
0: And, and every single one of the brokerages, right? Yeah. And that, no one's going to give you the, the, the hard things to do. You know, the, the transportation management, you know, dedicated services just right off the bat because you're going to come in and ask some great questions, right? Because you're not going to know the answers to them as well. It's a, it's a build up over time. So you start doing what you can do. You start learning. And that just, uh, you know, you just start crawling up that learning curve. But you have to go up up that learning curve. The, the, the more you can, can can condense the time to do that, the better. Um, but you, everyone's
1: stuck with that. Andrew Bound says, "Offer yourself as a free consultant. The pot of gold is if your consultancy sticks, then the revenue will come and the mm-hmm. profit will follow." Interesting. So, in, in that situation where you're doing free consulting, because I've actually done this, like for podcasts and sometimes you get a little bit burned but sometimes you get you get burned on on doing these things and i that's life i kind of got out how you react to well i got out of the consultancy side i'm like look all my energy is focused on this side of the house right here at fw but Mm -hmm. how do you keep it where people just take advantage of you how do you convert that consultancy into the actual business if you're doing it at first
0: but that's the uh, the million dollar question, right? No. It's it's because basically you have to you have to prove your own concept of being a consultant, and that's whether you're you're producing content like like we do, uh, blog posts, you know, media, podcasts, shows, uh, and give that out for free for that. I mean, it's, it's part of content marketing too to, to show your expertise and build up that. So then. People start coming to you to ask you questions, get your opinion on things, and then you can start charging. But, to, but going from that free model or that freemium model to a premium model of, of advice and consulting uh, services, it, it's tough, but uh, it, it can be done. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, but For you got to crack, you gotta crack the know. code, right? You do, you do. You do, but I don't think it's all that complicated. But here's the reason we stress it though, because this isn't, none of these things are mutually exclusive. Being a salesperson, be, being a consultant. Um, if you're a primary consultant, it's probably different than being a straight up salesperson, being a straight up salesperson, different than being a consultant. But there's plenty you can borrow from both. So we're assuming most of you are salespeople working at, mm-hmm. at brokerages of some sort, right? Yes. Fair to say. So we're going to talk about how you can be a salesperson, but borrow. From the basket of consulting and take some of these some of this good uh, advice out of here, and, and I think that just starts with the with the initial mm-hmm. call. When you're thinking like a consultant, you're being analytical. You're thinking about problems. You're thinking about problem solving. Where typically, when you, especially inexperienced new freight reps, what they're trying to do is push a lane, push a rate, or uh-huh. push a solution before qualifying what this really has to do with the client, what their problem really is. There's a rush. There's a sense of urgency. You sound thirsty. You're thirsty. I don't (laughs) think that's where you are. are. You you know, you
0: are thirsty, and you get yourself in a lot of trouble. Uh, You know, whenever I I hit the freight brokerage floor, I got myself into a lot of trouble because I just wanted business. I didn't really care how I got business. And then I quickly realized that the only people who are going to give business to the people who have no idea what they're doing are the people with... uh, All the problems with freight, right? Mm. That the shippers that you can't really trust, they might not pay their bills they They certainly if you book an appointment with them they're, they're going to bust through the appointment they don't really care you know if if they cancel a load they're not going to pay you a tono or a tono uh, truck order not use i mean they're they're going to push you around and bully you around but that's this part of life and all lessons you learn in life you, you 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 fell or you you you, uh, you get yourself in that many issues and you spend days of of high stress and you're like, man, how did I get myself into these spots and you learn. Or you keep repeating it. Well,
1: because if you're thinking like a consultant where you're in a sales role, it's going to force you to think about upsells and cross-sells and how to think mm-hmm. of a more uh, a more whole a more holistic platform or approach to their freight than, than just the rate. Yes. And in a sense, in doing that, you're creating value. You're creating a mm-hmm. record, a track record of value. What is the difference between, in your opinion, the transactional nature of, of sales versus the nurturing of sales? it's a
0: short-term relationship to, uh, versus a long-term, but transactional, you, you're not offering any value. The only value is table stakes, right? I, I can move this load for you, right? Yeah. How many times have you picked up a phone? I, you know, do you have any business today? I, I've done it quite a bit before I knew what I was doing. I, do you have any business? Do you have any business? Now, when you start adding value, you start bundling other services in, and you can create a process or procedure that you can name and claim and get a little bit of differentiation. You know, there's always an argument about how much differentiation can you get as a freight broker, Um, But it's not a lot usually. It's not a wide moat, but any moat is better than no moat at all. And it gets into that relationship and you're offering services that are holistic. You're learning more about the customer because you can fit those needs instead of, you know, do you have any freight today? Do you have any freight today? Tim, do you have any phrases?
1: <laughs> so let 's say you 're you're, you're building a salesperson and you only have so it 's like a, like in a video game or a role playing game you only have so many attributes you can give to each quality. How much time do you spend into making yourself that market expert because if you want this because here 's the thing too they 're not equivocal being a sales rep and being a consultant are, are completely different things. A consultant typically has a much more elevated level of knowledge, a good consultant. They understand that market so they can understand clients, so they can ask those questions, so they can prepare themselves properly for that sales cycle. You're a newer rep, though. How Mm -hmm. how much time do you put into being that... That, that expert, you know, we've been, we've been to events and virtual events, a little harder to tell, but in-person events, a lot of times the salespeople, you don't see them sitting there actually listening to the sessions on the stage. You see them going Networking, around the boots, yeah. going around the bar. They're not learning a ton about the industry, but they are having a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. And- would you put more, if you want to be consultative, would you put more time into that learning
0: I would, yeah. So uh, my, my thinking is you, salespeople and consultants are, are the same thing. Uh, you Maybe the salespeople are the caterpillars who go into their cocoon and come out butterflies or the consultants, right? Because it's the same process. But how much time do you put uh, getting an expertise, knowing the market, uh, Every ounce that you can, I, 199.99%. Because if you know what you're selling, if you know the market, if you know what people are doing, you know what the conversations they're having, it helps your sales game. If, if you don't know what you're selling, and if you don't have any interest in learning more about it or the industry that you're in, you're not going to be obsessed with it. You're going to be average at best.
1: Yeah. It, it's just... You know, James Fry, it's music to my ears. He says, I sell myself. If your customer likes you as a person, their business will follow. And this is something like even producing guests, you know, if they want to talk a lot about the product, it's like, let's let's focus on you first. Let's talk about you first. Let's make the let's make the audience, our audience like and understand you. They'll be more receptive to your messaging Mm -hmm. instead of sort of doing a bad sales call. Right. (laughs) Where you're just throwing out features and people, well, who is this guy? Why do I care what he has to say? Yeah, I think you had this quote, um, I, I think you did this
0: quote uh, an episode or so, uh, episode or so ago, and it's Maya Angelou, right? Yeah. No one, no one's going to, oh, it's your TEDx, it talk. TEDx yeah, talk. It was my yes. TEDx talk, Yeah, It was <laughs> your TEDx talk, yes, that's right, and how does that quote go? <laughs> I, uh, it's uh, people no, aren't
1: going to remember, remember how say, some, they're going to remember how you make them feel. Basically. Exactly right. That's a little so, bit of a paraphrase, but yeah,
0: it, it is. So, so no one's going to remember the, the features that you throw out on an interview about your product or your product does. People are going to remember how, how you make them feel. And that's the reason why media, uh, podcasting, TV is such a power, powerful medium to, to give great stories.
1: And that's why identifying pain points is so important, mm-hmm. too, during these, these discovery calls. Because you want to make them feel like that lion who had the thorn pulled out of his paw. You want to make them feel like, oh, yes. one less thing I have to worry about. You have just added value to them. Value beyond rates. Because mm-hmm. if you can make someone's day easier... You can make their job easier. You can make their boss like them more. You can make them more money. That's yes. sticky. That's as sticky as you can get. That
0: is very sticky. And, and please don't use the, the, the words pain point. Pain point. But please don't say, what's your biggest pain point? Oh, don't, yeah, don't say that. Yeah, don't say that. that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't. That's, yeah. that's the biggest turnoff ever. Yeah. You're, you're going to get shut down. Yeah. Even if you can sit there and talk for another hour, mm-hmm. they're not going to listen to another word you say
1: if yeah. you start specifically asking about pain points. Yeah, but see, some people take some people oversteer. They you say something like that, and they go, "Okay, I shouldn't be direct at all because you're saying to kind of use a mm-hmm. the euphemism there." But you got to pick your spots. Like all of this stuff. So everything we're saying on this. Remember that one guy who got mad at LinkedIn on, LinkedIn on us. None of the stuff we're saying is gospel. It's hard. Like all of this is based on personality. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that brings me to the point here. Some people are not built to be consultants because some people are not very analytical. That doesn't mean they can't be good salespeople, but, they don't, but they're very good at rapid pace, very good at transactional, mm-hmm. very good at keeping things moving, but they're not the best at developing the overarching that ho- overarching holistic approach, making those bundles, really thinking long-term and seeing the road ahead for the client and working with them that way. Not everybody can do it, but that doesn't mean you're not a good salesperson. That just means that uh, adopting some of these skills maybe harder for you. It might be harder.
0: And if you're a really good consultant and you don't have the time or need to go out and do sales, those people are probably a pretty good fit for you because they can rope people in and then you can work your magic yeah. on them. So maybe if you own a freight brokerage and you kind of think like that, maybe you need people who can go out and really execute without thinking too much. And, and that's their role
1: do you think that you need both types of salespeople within an organization or do you think it's more important that the human being in front of you that you're coaching or training executes in the best way they can so if they are a you know if they're a tight end you don't have them playing you know you don't have them playing punter
0: yeah i, I think you you find that in a lot of uh, hunters and farmers right we need hunters and we need farmers so there's plenty of people who can develop really good long-term relationships, but they're not going to go out and do 100 cold calls, right, and bring those people in uh, to to get them in the funnel. And, you know, their their attributes are more, whether they're the tight end or the the farmer, right, They can milk and and, and grow those accounts. And then you have the hunters out there who, you know, once they, they, they got their kill, Got it through the door. They start losing interest almost immediately, and they're ready to go out and and conquer something else. So I, I think it's, it's it's important to have both of those in in every organization: hunters and farmers.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they, So, in one of these articles I was reading um, by, and I think this might have been old, yeah, in 2001, Mike Zangiri, in 2001 Business Journal, he was writing about the consulting themes and the idea of people who really like ideation. He said, here's a simple test to help you determine if salespeople can make the transition. Ask them whether or not they generally enjoy solving a problem. Do they like going on a call, not knowing what they expect to find? Can they handle a high level of uncertainty, or are they more comfortable in a Predictable environment. We've met many outstanding salespeople who do not like having a curveball thrown at them at every time they go into account. Well, there's others that they need that challenge. They need that constant change. And I think those ones fit a little bit better into that consultative theme. I do too. I do too. I I, do too. I,
0: I, I, I like the, the curveballs thrown at me. Um, you know, I only have it's my my choice to respond that way, right? To to, to like it because it's going to happen no matter whether I like it or not. I, I get curveballs at me all the time right so yeah. i better like it or i'm gonna really not enjoy life whatsoever
1: speaking of curveballs we got uh we got jeff we got- booth in the bullpen let's uh let's get a golf cart to bring him out here on uh <laughs> oh look he's warming there's, up yeah. <laughs> he's up there's <laughs> hey man jeff booth with open Dog. jeff thanks for your time today
2: thanks for having me excited to be here and you mentioned yogi bearism so i just i have to chime in with my favorite because i'm pretty sure i've heard a driver tell it to me too nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded I'm almost positive I've heard that directly from a driver talking about a rough facility. Well, I, I, I do too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, all the time, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's those famous shippers that, that, that you call up carriers and they're like, no, we, we don't deliver there. It's too crowded. No, yeah. no one's going there anymore. You, you're not going to find another truck to go in there because it's too crowded.
1: You know, and Jeff, you're very stylish too. You just got, I, I love it. You has got a black t shirt on, probably, probably some jeans going on. Must run in the company. Uh,
2: yeah. You know, uh, when you guys talk to my owner Bob Laloja, he he told you he likes to peruse men's fashion. And just, <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Trying to do that that same thing. I don't peruse it. I feel like I just know it. I feel men's fashion. I live it. Well, hey, full <laughs> disclosure: I have some
1: Pinterest stock, and it's done very well this year. So, so very thank you to to Open I browse and Pinterest for you. Yeah, We browse oh, yeah.
2: Pinterest heavy.
0: And Junior's been here shopping for, for
1: clothes for Friday yeah. all, all, all morning. Yeah, you just wait till you see the Christmas stuff we're looking yes. at right now. It's going to be great. We'll have a Christmas special I on can't here. Wait. So you have, a, well, you have a great background. We'll get into that really quick. But what's the elevator pitch on you? What makes, what makes Jeff Booth tick?
2: I like solving problems. I'm just a business geek. You talked about the consultative stuff. That's me. I'm analytical, data-driven. And I just I love the curveballs. and I like trying to figure things out. And I've done it in a lot of different places, and I'm excited to be doing it at OpenDoc today.
0: Mm. Interesting. Sure. Well, how about OpenDoc? Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: So the elevator pitch for OpenDoc, and that's where you know I lead product and strategy there for the team, and really we help supply chains with doc appointment scheduling. And for most people, it's like, wow, that's the least sexy thing ever. But it's a huge problem, and helps things with like labor efficiency, improved data, and lowering dwell times. And we think those are just huge problems in the industry.
0: So, are you trying to tell me, Jeff, that a pen and paper and Excel spreadsheets divided over multiple shifts and multiple teams is not efficient?
2: Are you really trying to tell yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. As a as a finance geek as well, and spending way too much time in spreadsheets, uh, it's a nightmare, and I couldn't imagine running a schedule. And you know that when someone else says, uh, "Can you?" Can you open up that spreadsheet and it's not yours? It's like cleaning another man's garage. There's lights, there's color. You're like, what is all this stuff? What's happening here?
1: Well, I, I've never thought of cleaning another man's garage before. I, what was the movie where the guy mows another guy's lawn and he gets like he, he gets so upset and he beats him up? I don't know. I forget which movie that was. I don't know. It was What's a that? bigger front, though. It's a bigger front. Huh.
2: To him. So, you yes. know, it's, it's a rule you don't mow another man's yard it's just not enough. yeah no it'd be
1: weird it would be weird it's like when you sit in someone's chair after they've been sitting in too long and you're like in their body warmth there's just something like they got the, unnerving about that feeling. they have yes. the groove
2: they have a yeah. groove that's not mm-hmm. your groove. Uh, they've left
1: a dimple and it doesn't fit <laughs> at, at, yeah it, it doesn't fit your, your rump just perfectly let me ask you something though. So, you know, as we all know, when you when you have docks and you don't have you don't have proper scheduling or rules aren't followed, it turns into a free-for-all, right? The drivers start showing up at five in the morning because they know that even though you have appointments on paper, you just let who's ever first served come in. And that ends up being chaos for everybody. The drivers hate it. I do that I do Freightways Radio and Sirius XM Road oh, yeah. Dog Truck, and the number one issue drivers always complain about is dwell time. Wang Craig always yelling about dwell time. So that that's obviously an advantage of OpenDoc, but are, it, in real life, when people are using it, is that is it is it correcting that problem or people coming in at the right times? How do they enforce it? How does it work?
2: Yeah, good question. And it's enforceability is tough, but it has to start with a plan, right? We're not pretending that if you set an appointment, everyone's going to follow it. But everyone wants to do their job and get in and out as efficiently as possible. So if you have a target time of arrival, you're going to do your best to get there and. We try to make adjustments along the way, but it actually does help. I I just spent some time with one of our customers who ran a big beverage distributor, and he said, I used to come in Monday mornings at 6 a.m. dreading life, because as I drove into my facility, I would see a line of 50 to 60 trucks, and I just knew Monday was going to be awful. And sure enough, after a month or two of using the product, he's like, we've got people just balanced. They're scheduled. They know they're going to get in and out within an hour, and so now instead of 60 loads eight a.m Monday morning 7 a.m Monday morning there's now twelve on Monday twelve on Tuesday twelve on Wednesday and we actually have some control of our warehouse
0: so uh, Jeff you have a big financial background you're very well versed in ROI but you just brought up a, a very interesting point where that's indirect value that's this value that that can't really there's a lot in there that can be measured. But but not dreading that line of trucks, making someone's life easier. If, if they're working, still working twelve hours twelve hours a day, or you know, it might shave off an hour. It might not, but that they can go in without that dread. And
1: uh, they I think you have to reconnect with him. Yes. Yeah, the connection over in Arizona is a a little bit dumb. You know, it's funny too. As I'm looking over his background while you're talking to him, and as we set the table for this show, for the lead-in for this show, mm-hmm. we were talking about how. Sales reps who like high-rapid, high-velocity transaction, don't like a lot of curveballs, they might be just your straight-up sales rep where he's got this background doing uh, analytics and analysis and yeah. finance. And, you know, talking about curveballs, um, Jeff, he's, he's worked for Sprouts Farmers Market, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not uh, OpenDoc at all. He's with them, and then he's with the theater, working on optimization and analytics. Do you see yourself more of a, a, a consultative side of the business, or are, are you more of a sales rep?
2: I'm definitely consultative. Uh, You know, I like to support sales organizations any way I can. And even at OpenDoc, we have a great sales team and I'm not a part of that. But anytime I have a chance to get customer facing and get on a customer call, either a lead, a prospect or a new or an existing customer we're trying to expand, I love it. And I I live to talk to the customer um, because it helps me do my job and it helps me learn their actual pain points, their actual needs. Right. And we try to solve it. I won't use pain points for you guys. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you think the the, the you know will, i'll call it a pain point well, um, ben
1: kowalski in the comments he said yeah. pain points mean you're asking them to tell you how terrible it is over at the uh, the company you're calling it is and also you know what it also does you asking someone their pain points it, it's a very direct way of making them put negative thoughts in their mind which mm-hmm. when you're doing a sales thing we talk about that feeling you might not want to drive that that stake in that sharply yeah. You want to have those solutions. Yeah. You know, the solutions are the positivity
0: and you, you, you uncover the negativity. But you want to uh, to really reinforce that positivity. Um, you mentioned something about, you know, sentiment for the, the, the workers and kind of that immeasurable ROI of, of attitude. Uh, can you go in that, that uh, a little bit more about how to, to how to really measure that?
2: Yeah. So I've, I've had the opportunity to, like I said, talk and get in front of these customers and learn a little bit more about it. And it's interesting how, when you ask them, oh, what, what's happened in my first things being the ROI and the quantitative guy, what are detention fees like? Um, what's your dwell time really into the numbers? And a lot of people start with, my team is just so much less stressed out. They come in and my team who's working the warehouse isn't guessing what's going to happen or they don't see that line of trucks. They look up at the big board on the day and they see, oh, I have a full truckload at 9 a.m. I have a LTL at 10 a.m. And they see that. And now they're not getting ripped back and forth across things all day. And they actually plan their day, you know, going in what you're getting into a little bit. And you mentioned the two types of personalities, people who like the curveball and the firefight and the people who want their regiment. And uh, I think in that role, a lot of people want the regiment.
1: Hey, I was looking at an article that you had on LinkedIn and you were talking about the grocery supply chain. You were talking about how uh, how the movement of beer, right, it had gone up during during the pandemic. It didn't have the seasonal the seasonal shifts that you usually see with it, because I don't know, people are at home and depressed and drinking more beer. I'm not really sure. But what other trends are you noticing over at at OpenDoc when you look at these analytics?
2: Yeah, the, the balance you mentioned is interesting. There's so much more beer sales retail, right? Because we're going to the stores, but it's actually overall not enough to offset like the keg sales at a restaurant because so many few, so few people are going to bars. So mm. instead, that's all transitioning to retail. And that's what some of our beverage distributors were telling us. Um, obviously, whatever we're hearing in the consumer news, we kind of see the downstream impact. So we have a few uh, paper-based goods companies, and you can see their load counts spiking in particular March, April, May. And Even then, they continue to surge. We also have a few big medical suppliers, and same thing. You see their appointment volume just going crazy Uh, beyond their – they're calling us asking, how can we tighten up blocks and get trucks in and out in 30 minutes so we can try to get more of them because we're just – we have so many shipments.
0: I uh, Duder was talking about dwell time. A while ago. go, I mean, how does this really help uh, uh, warehouses and, and, and shippers uh, adjust or, or slim down that that dwell time problem that the industry faces?
2: Yeah, so I think just switching off first come first serve is a huge win, right? Because it stops that pile up. You start load balancing, so you can only get so far behind and. If you have a pretty good carrier mix and a good vendor team, they're trying to get there on time. And when they're not, they're rescheduling in the moment, right? They're, they're doing it online and updating their appointment time of when they're going to be there. So the warehouse actually is able to plan for them a little bit more. And so because of that, they're in and out faster because you're not building those queues. The other piece of it is we actually track data. On our, in our platform, they can mark when the truck has arrived. They can mark when the truck's completed, so they actually know in-and-out times, and it's not just uh, handwritten on the BOL that I've seen so many times that I can never read or understand, and then I try to pay detention on it.
1: Well, here's what's whack, too, about the 1st come 1st serve thing, is that not all freight is equal, and unloading all freight isn't equal. I used to work for a clothing retailer, right? So you'd get sweaters in boxes, right, in, in your 53-foot trail that pulls up to the dock door. The trailer behind it has JH Garments on Hanger. And if you've ever unloaded both those trailers, you know the boxes go out really quick. Well, Garments on Hanger take forever, especially if you're in uh, August in Massachusetts at Talbot's in the back of a trailer sweating your butt off because they want you to have that warehouse experience because you just started working in their brokerage. Not that I speak from personal experience or anything, but it takes quite a bit longer. So what do you mean? You're you're creating your own bottlenecks, you know, and you're creating all of these different challenges by not having a little bit more strategy behind your freight than just whatever gets here first goes in and out.
2: And when you talk about that, it's like deep philosophically, I think uh, not to get philosophical about appointment scheduling a little weird, but first come first serve seems to reward people who care the least about their time because they're willing to go wait in line. They're willing to get there early. So you're actually rewarded by being first because you'll wait 12 hours, right? You'll wait over the weekend. So being the least efficient time, you're almost celebrated to move to the front. And that feels like the, the wrong setup. But I think psychologically, people just see it as kind of a, a right and wrong. You get there first, you should be served first. They're not really thinking about the depth of it. It just feels like that should be the reward system.
1: It isn't a very American is, thing, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's very sort of an ingrained in us. It's almost like that ego thing we were talking about earlier, where you decide to be offended and you decide it's an assault on your pride. Also, almost a very strong uh, American thing. It, it is. Are that first come, first serve? Bull. It... First come, first serve. The ego. There's a lot of American <laughs> there, 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 things there is, in here. Yeah. And that's a problem, too. That's why you have, to, you have to work with people on feelings and stuff. And how they feel if you just sell on features. I mean, we're maniacs. Humans don't operate on logical terms. Right. No, It's, it's like, all emotional. Everything's confirmation bias and emotional with, with people.
2: It's crazy. It could you imagine, could you imagine meeting like a significant other? And it's like, my features are analytical. <laughs> I save money. Well, right. I'm the perfect date. And everyone's like, what? No, it's like, what are your emotions? What are your feelings? And you were talking about languages and how you speak to the customer earlier in the show. And it just made me think of like love languages, you know, for the customer. Sometimes you have a customer who wants like the words of affirmation. Yeah we're doing the right things or they want acts of service. Like I'll take that terrible Montana to Wyoming for a loss because you know, it's an act of service for you. How about
0: um, I'm going to, to the customers and doing consultative sales with a a startup. What are some of the lessons you've learned about what to do and what not to do or what works and, and what doesn't work?
2: Yeah, it's finding that blend. You know, sometimes we've taken on some very large enterprises and, sometimes I, I, you know, I get trepidation. It's like, man, this, this is a top 100 company. Like, how are we going to be able to serve them? I know we have the tools in place and I know we've been practicing for this the whole time. Um, and we have examples of it, but it's like, you feel like you don't really know until you get put in the game. It's like practicing all week for football and then the lights come on and it's like, all right, now it's time to show up. So finding a way to still be confident and self-aware of, Hey guys, you will be our biggest customer and we've done customers comparably to you, but here's how we're going to make sure we're doing it. Great. Here's the extra resources we're committing. Here's the extra time we're going to spend with you to make sure we do a great job on your account. And so finding that balance of self-awareness and confidence.
1: Well, and, and for the site, for the sales cycle, for something like open doc, who is your customer? Are you going directly to the docs directly to the shippers? Or are you going to the, the, the brokers? How does that work? Or, or yeah. is it a combination?
2: No, great, great question. Um, it is primarily go. So we sell to the warehouses, the warehouses are our paying clients, but we're in a little bit of a marketplace effect. I care a lot of what our carriers and drivers tell us because the easier we make their lives, the easier they make the warehouses lives. So everything comes back to making our client happier. And one of the functions is doing a great job for the carrier. So we sell to the warehouses directly. And that includes, sometimes we're talking to the shipping supervisor of a single warehouse or sometimes we're talking to the VP of process improvement at supply chain at, you know, fill-in-the-blank large retailer. And so we we work with both those types of customers. And sometimes carriers and brokers have played a great role for us by recommending us because they deal with the pain of poor scheduling, whether it's detention fees or breakdowns. And so we actually have a really good relationship and in, in tech, technical integration with a company like Loadsmart, who, when they deal with a large shipping enterprise – who has some challenging facility operations, especially around the appointment scheduling? They say OpenDoc's a great solution. We're already paired with and, and ready to, to help you implement it's always
0: good to to have to to be behind technology that 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 has that virality or that refer that natural referral right because if you have uh, freight brokers and carriers who are using it for customer A and yeah. they want they're having pain in customer B uh, they they can they can refer that customer B over to uh, another platform uh, is it is the messaging more uh, mass marketing on instead of consulting for the freight brokers and carrier angles. And is it a little bit different from each side of that network?
2: Yeah. And actually, I can I take a second to ask you guys a question on your advice around this? Because I don't think we've hit that virality thing as well as we could have. I think we have big opportunities there to have brokers who, we you know, we have about 35,000 to 40,000 users who schedule. So brokers, drivers, carriers, and finding a way to engage them saying, you use us for all these other facilities. If you have poor-performing facilities, how do you how do you push them to us? And I don't know. That's something we've cracked the code on, and you guys have been in that space. What are your thoughts?
0: I, I would say, first of all, there's always the, that rewards bonus, but that that's kind of cheapens the deal some, somehow, um, yeah. a rewards program. Uh, what do you think, Duner?
1: Well, so for me, like – I worked for FedEx Trade Networks for a while, and I was in duty drawback. And duty drawback is this specialized thing, right? I mean, I did entries and stuff, but I was in duty drawback for a few years. So I got a good background in there. And I knew that in dealing with global imports and exports, a lot of uh, sales reps that I was going up against, my competition, didn't know anything about drawback. So the brokerage I was with selling for, we didn't have a drawback department. So I made sure to find a partner that could have duty drawback because I knew that in having discovery calls, things would come up where I'd be like, look, you are sitting on all of these duty returns that you could be claiming based on this program. So I needed that arrow in my quiver. And I think that if someone, if you're talking to someone, if you're a rep, right, isn't always good to know to have ins, right, to have ways to attack these problems. So if you know that someone's dealing with facilities that have terrible in-out times, you know, they have terrible dwell times, all of those kind of things, understanding or being able to promote a relationship with something like OpenDoc as, as part of your, your, your bundled services even if they're just a partner of yours or, or something you're, you're aware of, is very helpful. Yeah, I, I think you're
0: right. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time, we, you're just talking, uh, counting how many times you said duty and drawback. Yeah. Um, that, that was fun. Uh, but but I, think, I, I think just assuming that they're using that assumptive sales and close and messaging to freight brokers and carriers, just assuming that they're going to refer might plant the seed of an idea to, to go ahead and, and take that action.
1: Yeah, how many times have you like, duty
0: drawback? I don't know. It was fascinating though. <laughs>
2: I think I said yeah. twice. <laughs> no, you mentioned going to the carriers and trying a referral program. We we kind of did that, and it was probably, you know, uh, we have a great marketing team. I probably weighed in too much, but uh I was like, I'm really feeling like a Jerry Maguire thing. Like, help me help you, help me. And uh, I think I probably pushed that and we tried it, and we didn't get as much traction as I would have liked, so. I think that's what I'd like to do is figure out how to get those carriers because they really have the relationship and feel and see this pain live. I think I think making relationships with carriers and brokers could really help us continue to grow our market share.
0: Yeah, like a referral program, affiliate program, something like that it could be you know,
2: yeah, could be beneficial. You know,
0: fun games, prizes, things like that it could nope. be very
1: beneficial. I, I have a question for you. So in terms of talking to the warehouses versus the carriers versus the shippers, have you noticed um different problems, different areas of concern. What's a bigger selling point to them? Everyone has different perspectives Mm -hmm. on the industry. What is like the primary concern of a warehouse that differs drastically from either of those two?
2: Yeah, the warehouse is looking to make our system be flexible enough to fit their processes. Hey, we accept trucks like this and we want to know their pallet count and then we want to configure things this way. The carriers really make this as easy as possible for me, right? Or the broker, because they're booking maybe hundreds of appointments, it's like, give me the simplest way to give you what you need and select an appointment time and allow me to pass it along. And so those are kind of the ones really focused on configuration and incorporating their process. And the other is just ease of use, speed of transaction.
0: I think that's right, and I was just thinking. I mean, use it as a, a value prop. You know, bu- bundling services, right? And I'm, I, I will, I love a good bundle. Yeah. Right. And if they they can, if brokers and carriers can can bundle that as they're going in to, to do their own sales to shippers and say, we've well, subscribed to this, and we can we can add this to our, you know, we have visibility. We have now. Um, you know, open doc or a, a, a you know a digital way to to book appointments at dock doors, and it's a way for you to differentiate yourself uh, against your competitors. Might be another 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 angle to take on it.
2: Yeah, and I always thought it was good being the you know thinking about analytical stuff. I always thought it would be good to use as root cause. Maybe if you have if you've experienced it where you're trying to find great rates, uh, you know, for your for your shipper as a broker, and the feedback is bad reputation at that facility. So your rates are too high or your capacity is limited because people just don't want to go there. And we talk about not always fun to give negative information to a customer, but if you gave them that insight and said, actually, if this is happening to me, I assume this is happening to all your transportation rates. I think if we could solve this for you, you would drive down transportation costs and make everyone's life easier. I think that's that's where you start to become more consultative and you start to build a longer strategic relationship because you're thinking about their business problems, not you trying to make that one sell.
1: What do you think the biggest problem is that, that you have to solve either in your day-to-day or, or overarching?
2: Accommodating all the different warehouse types. I, you know, we, it's easy to see and step back and say, yeah, they schedule appointments, unload stuff off a truck <laughs> and it's good. But really, everyone's got their own setup where uh, (laughs) everyone's got their own setup where they have different nuances. You mentioned the garment hanging, they have all these extra layers and figuring out how to unpack them, solve the universal problem, but let them customize it for all those very specific things you're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> how, you, how you feeling, Kevin? Hey,
1: feeling okay. Hey, hey, so hey, I swallowed hey. the wrong way. That's uh, all right. All right. We'll let you catch your breath over there. Well, him and I were on that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the big challenge. So you know, you work on 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 products, so you always have to be thinking about what can enhance this, right? What can make it better? What can make it easier for my salespeople to sell? When so, my question for you is for sales reps who are listening, they all we all at every company, you have your your head of product or chief executive of product, whoever it may be. How what's the best way for them to communicate with someone like you, especially if they hear from customers quite often about either shortcomings with the product or what's amazing about it or what they or features they'd like to see added?
2: Yeah, I I love being on the calls directly to hear the customer, but I'm just a big open email slack. I like to hear the specific thing the customer said, but the customer doesn't know our product or necessarily want what they want built. They know their issue. And then I love to hear the feedback from our sales team of how we solve that issue. And then that's kind of where we workshop it. So a customer might say, man, I really wish you had GPS tracking. And so immediately someone might say, let's go get GPS tracking. I do not want to get into that game. What I'd rather do is make partnerships with a couple of great GPS tracking partners, and that's how we solve their problem. So I love hearing from our sales team directly because they typically know the most about our customers.
1: So I have a follow up. How do you avoid that urge to just keep adding more features in because one random person said they want that GPS, you know, because you have to be careful. You have to be sort of, how do you, how do you tow that line of pivoting to address the market while not pivoting too much to lose track of what you're actually trying to build?
2: I love tracking data. And that's probably the hardest thing to do, but somebody will come in and one customer will say, we want this and we'll move forward. And it's like, Time out, time out. That one solution might not be the solution for the remaining three thousand. And not only that, you might prevent making a solution for three thousand of them because you focused on that one and we only have so many resources. So I'm really big at quantifying how many customers have said this, how many locations do they have? What's their what's their dollar value and really using that to help weight it, but it's a constant ebb and flow. And and sometimes you just you have to eat your own dog food and say, "Fine, we'll just uh, we'll just make this happen for this one customer." But you try to minimize that because it takes you off your strategy.
0: Takes a lot of discipline. It takes it takes a lot of discipline to uh, to 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 not listen to customers, right? And and sometimes it's the best path forward because we want to say the customer is always right, but if it goes against your own strategy long term. Goals, then it's it's like a bad deal in sales, right? Sometimes you 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 say no to the you say no to the prospect instead of the prospect saying no to you because you just know in the long term it's just not for you.
2: Yeah, it's figuring out that fit, and the customer's always right about their pain. They're not always right about the solution. Mm-hmm. That's where we're supposed to be the subject matter expert. We're supposed to translate that in. And if we can't do things for them, I want to help them understand hey, customer, I really appreciate that perspective. We could probably do some custom work that helps it for you a little bit, but we're probably not going to solve that problem because it's very specific to you. And we're trying to build a software for many. And we're, we'll try to incorporate elements, but it's probably not the exact thing you're looking for.
1: Hey, R- Rhonda's in the comments. You are at the Global Trends. Have you ever met Rhonda before? And uh, you ever do a little yoga in her thing? At her last virtual event, she was uh, leading the, yes. the big yoga session.
2: I did a little stretching in there. Uh no, I was gone long long before her arrival. We didn't even have a gym at that point. So I was I was just doing my stretches like uh in the lobby probably.
1: You had a slum it. Mm-hmm. You had a slum it back in the day.
2: <sighs> yeah, we were we we're <laughs> shooting hoops outside on the old uh, peach basket. We didn't have a fancy gym and everything. What do, oh, <laughs> what do you got, Kevin? What uh, do you uh,
1: got, Kevin? K- Candy Bukic says, "I think we all had to jump in and put out the fire to save a truck at an FC FS facility. It is a waste of resources, including time. In each case, communication helps greatly in these situations. Yeah, I mean that's that's another thing. Like when you are saying, you know, it's first come, first serve." you're setting yourself up for, for failure because the second one of these problems happens or you get a, a truck with some unique type of freight or challenging freight, you create those uh, you, you create those backups at the dock door. And that's when everyone starts getting upset. And here's the thing, when, you're, when your dock is all messed up, you're not just upsetting the, your, your own workers inside. You're, you're all these other drivers within there, so the carrier's getting mad. And then if you're at a place like Walmart where you're getting busted on on times in full and you're getting chargebacks and things like that, then the shipper's mad. And then... The the shipper calls up the broker, so everyone gets upset when these problems occur. And
0: that's the a good question. That's amazing, and that's a good question. How much do you sell on on that value prop? You know, how much do you pay out on detention? Do you, is that kind of a line of question that you do to to discover some pain points?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we want to find out from them. We want to we want to quantify, and we know there's value in process improvement, but we want to know what are your detention fees. How many appointments do you have a day? And then we also get into um, how much time do you spend on the phone? A lot of these places that do the spreadsheet or post-its, they're taking phone calls and emails all day. So we've had people come back and say, you know, we do about 1,000 appointments a month. So just letting the carriers schedule it themselves online have saved us a full-time employee equivalent. And that's a, that's a pretty big deal when you think someone's just doing that. And same thing, you mentioned the ripple effects. Then you have a carrier frustrating, frustrated because they call. No one ever calls them back. You leave a voicemail. You're 80 emails in just trying to get an appointment when you could just go do it yourself.
0: Yeah, I know. I remember as a freight broker where, you know, a customer would want something picked up on a Thursday. I had to call and schedule an appointment. I couldn't get an appointment. And it just
1: dragged on and on. And I would charge a higher rate for that. No, of course. You know, hey, this has been this has been a great, fascinating effect, especially if I was working at a warehouse or as a truck driver. I definitely want some open dock in my life. So if people like what they're hearing, how do they go about learning more?
2: OpenDoc.com. That's where you learn more about that. And if you have specific questions for me, Jeff Booth, LinkedIn, pretty easy find. There's probably way more Kevin Hills, not very many Jeff Booth. It's a limited
1: audience. <laughs> yeah, no, you're pretty easy to find when I yeah. when I looked you up on LinkedIn to cyberstock you before the uh the show. Appreciated. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Kevin, thank we you. went, we, a went have a good one. we went extra time with him. Oh, we did, ta- yeah, time to give this book away. I know. What do we got this week? How about the book that that you mentioned
0: uh, before? Oh, okay,
1: of selling. Yeah, Consult yeah, consultive selling. selling or something. Yeah, you I guys just don't want consultive selling? Of do you want it? Do you want, want consultive selling? Can we get a yay I know, or right? right I guess it's a yeah. yay for consultive selling. All right. Now the peanut gallery has spoken. It, it, the peanut gallery has spoken. Let's roll the uh, the dice. We got one through 170. Ooh, who is number eight? The winner is number eight. The winner, the winner, the winner is number eight, and that is going to be none other than jacob reed jacob, jacob reed. reed you have won do you know jacob i, I don't he was number eight yeah uh, one of the ogs the eighth person with their name on this list so awesome. jacob reed you were gonna have consultive selling i i don't know you can either get the ebook or the regular book kevin will send it to you at i amazon. will i will i'll ship it from amazon amazon the easiest way to do it i liked andrew cox's good. pronunciation of amazon yesterday is, is that really amazon great. amazon yes all right, coming so, up, yeah. What the Truck Friday, What the Truck, that <laughs> you know, was a little uh, Post Malone. Don't, don't come after me, copyright people. i been playing a lot of that Miles Morales Spider-Man game I know, on uh, yeah. PlayStation 5. Just stuck in my head. Into the Spider-Verse, check it out. Good film. Uh, so coming up, coming up on What the Truck Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, we talked about this charity, Trucker's Final Mile, right? Yeah. So Robert Palm... The the guy who started the charity, mm-hmm. he's actually going to come on the show, talk awesome. about uh what's going on. And you know what? Some shortfalls. We has some shortfalls in funding, not being able to go to live events. We've heard that from a lot of charities. So whenever I hear that, I want to highlight them yes. on What the Truck. He's gonna come on. You guys can hear about it. And by the way, some of you caught last week's What the Truck, where we had uh we had Solomon on, right? And and his and um and his young boy, the, one oh, the, yes. the DPIG. He, uh, Liam. A lot of you viewers out there yeah. gave some money towards that GoFundMe. So, you know, God bless you guys. Yes. Thank you for taking care of, uh, of that young man. Ingrid, of course, knows him as well.
0: Oh, does <laughs> yeah. she? Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Liam, yeah. yeah. Uh, Liam Solomon uh, Liam. Liam Solomon. And yeah. OpenDoc's Jeff Booth. So we're going to have another OpenDoc person on Jeff Booth. He's going to talk about ways to modernize doc data. So we'll get a little deeper into those analytics today. We're we'll looking at OpenDoc from a sales oh. perspective. Uh, yeah. So Jeff Booth will be right back. Oh, very He's gonna good. He's going to be right back. Yeah. And then uh, play it forward. Jeff Gallantly, he's of Cross So we're going to get even more information on Cross dock. Like, so it would be a good warehousing show, especially if you're into Doc Data. But he's going to play it forward. And he's in a metal band called Hammerheads. Oh, Is it going to be, be awesome. more metal than Trent Zuby? Is it? I, you're going to have know. to find out. So tune in. And then Bob uh, Boosie. Bossy, Boosie, he's going to spin the wheel, and make the deal from BWS Logistics. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, we we'll stupid questions, right? Yeah, we're also going to talk to him about selling freight in a, a hot market, but making it sticky so you still have those customers in a down market. Uh, Boosie's always out there hustling. He right? is always, he's hustling.
0: always hustling.
1: He is, and he's one of those he's a survivor too. You know, he uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think he lost his job, and then he uh, he recovered mm-hmm, he from did. that. Folks, thanks for joining us today. I'm Dooner, at Timothy Dooner on the Twitter. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Or look us up on LinkedIn. That's Kevin Hill. What are you on Twitter? Kevin Hill CL? Kevin Hill CL. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kevin, so what's that's up? My, my handle. What's up next for you? What's next for me is tomorrow, noon, Oh yeah, midday market mm. update, where we're going to take you all around the freight world, all the latest news greatest interviews i think we have steve ferrara on, okay. on there and uh, i don't know who else but tim leonard okay oh, tim yeah. leonard
1: oh good so tim, tim's been waiting he's been in the bullpen i, I know he's gonna yeah. be excited to come on well folks like we said look us up put that coffee down favorite podcast player look up Freightcast. get every single freight cat eight freightways podcast all in one convenient feed download the freightways tv app throw it up on your apple tv roku whatever you like to watch on fire stick it's on the fire stick it is on it the fire stick you get one of those in your stocking maybe bang bang We'll Put Santa. it on there, download it. You can watch all the FreightWay shows live and in living color. Thank you for joining us today for this very special edition, this late edition of Put That Coffee Down. Take it easy. I got
0: friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, because wind is expensive. I got
1: expensive, because wind is expensive. I've been reading all the world. now I've shutting down the stores. Yeah, when it rains, then it bursts. Yeah. and I'm ready for some more.